The Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Blockchain Super Conference is coming to Dallas, Texas, February 16, 17, and 18 in 2018. If you know of a better way to get the latest insider knowledge about crypto, to hear directly from the top minds in this field, to interact personally with 800 fellow crypto lovers, hodlers, investors, miners, traders, developers, and founders, then I'd like to hear about it. If you don't, then you don't want to miss out. Register today for the Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Blockchain Super Conference. Go to BitcoinSuperConference.com and register today as a super early bird to get the lowest rates on tickets and hotel rooms. That's BitcoinSuperConference.com. Welcome to Almost Here, Round the Corner of Future Technology podcast with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies poised to transform our lives for better or worse are the focus of this podcast. Almost Here means these technologies are now here and starting to be used or just around the corner from Bitcoin to artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more. Hey, this is Richard Jacobs with Future Tech Podcast. My guest today is David Yerger, uh, managing partner at RDG Fund. David, how you doing? Good, good. Just to start out, so what does uh, RDG do? Tell me about the fund. Yeah, so we're specifically a crypto uh, fund. We operate in several spheres of crypto, as you know. You can categorize it and slice it and dice it a hundred different ways. We have systems in place that allow us to uh, algorithmically, algorithmically trade, the, participate in some crypto lending, as well as we have a top ten cryptocurrency index, and then we have some other systems that we're working on to build to make better sense of this marketplace cryptocurrencies that as we see fit. Well, tell me about yeah. the uh, tell me about the algorithmic trading first. Where does that occur and what do your algorithms go for? Arbitrage across exchanges or within certain tokens? Yeah, so we haven't built arbitrage algos yet. We the algos are, are basically momentum systems. So trading off signals and momentum yeah, momentum generating momentum signals and then trading off that data. So where does the uh, the trading occur? Is it on a particular exchange or where do you guys do it? We do it on several exchanges. If Kraken, GDAX, Tim and I. Oh, but you don't arbitrage between exchanges yet. You just will trade on a particular exchange and use your algorithms. Exactly. Maybe an arbitrage algo is coming soon. I don't know. Who knows? What um, do you trade your own funds or customers' funds? Both. So. Tell me. Tell me about fees and how it works. Yeah. So our fees are one in twenty. Typical hedge funds are two in twenty. Piece of our. Um, I won't say the exact amount, but a piece of our fund is obviously allocated towards the index, and we think an index is really passive system that's really easy to put together. We rebalance it monthly, so that kind of justifies the one percent out of the typical two. Are the crypto markets too large? Futures markets or stock markets? Is the behavior the same? Did the algorithm come from the large markets? Like, tell me about the history of it and how you got into it. Yeah. So, well, there's nothing like the crypto market. I think cryptocurrencies are really hard to, uh, you know, obviously for a lot of people out there, they're very hard to explain. People that don't understand them, they're very hard to categorize. You know, is it just simply ledger technology? Is it is it a, a crypto protocol network? Uh, is it something different or a little bit of both? So, you know, in in the larger context, larger conversations of, of are these specific cryptocurrencies, so commodities uh, like Filecoin or you know or, or crypto tokens? Think of ICOs. How, where do these assets fit? Now, your metrics for evaluating each of those is going to look probably a bit different based on what category you're evaluating. I, I think that the larger cryptocurrencies and crypto asset and crypto commodities, some of the trading strategies you might see applicable to commodities trading actually work very well. When but are they fundamentally different? You know, when you look at candlesticks and you look at price data and all that, is it any different from the larger markets or is it 
does it act differently from what you've seen? Yeah, I mean, you're you're looking at the movement that you might get percentage-wise in crypto is just insane compared to volatility. It is um, compared to compared to something you might see in the uh, in the commodities market. So just just the day-to-day, the week-to-week, even the month-to-month volatility is even more massive too. Is it is it easier to trade and make profit because there's bigger spreads and bigger movement? Well, you're looking at you've got a, you've got a bunch of different factors at, at play. Um, one of those, depending on how you're trading, you know, we don't trade, uh, we don't use margin, right? So it's very difficult to short, to short specific cryptos, right, in the market if you're not trading on margin. And, and we see the same kind of, you know, for a lot of the larger players, they're not trading on margin. It's a lot of the smaller guys that are that are juicing up. So the the mechanisms that are in place, you know, for trading assets, um, just aren't the same as, as what you what you would encounter. Right. The tools aren't aren't the same as what you would encounter in, in a you know commodities trading. So so there's a lot of pieces of it that are very different. So why not use some um, human traders? Why use algorithms? Do they how much better are they than any of the humans you've used to trade, for instance? Uh, human traders are actually. <laughs> Well, algorithms are systems, and human traders, uh, you know, typically have. I don't know, it depends on the trader. Sometimes some traders, most traders, have systems that they they typically follow, and those systems they follow can can be uh, automated. And so, why not automate? Um, if you're if you're a trader who doesn't use a system, and you you're you're looking at uh, mm. specific technical patterns that are hard for. Now, there's a lot of systems out there that can't recognize. You know, obviously they can't recognize patterns on charts very well. Right, um, but they can compute averages and make and make trades based off you know moving average crosses or you know particular signals that you might employ in your system. Yeah, and humans get emotional and they may yell and scream and you know get scared out of a trade and all that. And algorithms don't do that. I can see the uh, you know some of the benefits. That's right. There's definite advantages to having now you you know my partner Jonathan is really the brains behind uh, the algorithms and he is uh, he's a quant. He's been doing this for a while and. You know, obviously he has, he has he can push the stop button if he wants to. Um, he he can halt the trade if he sees things are going a little haywire or look a little strange. So having that human intervention okay. is very important. But automating these systems, you know, you get much better coverage, especially in markets where it's 24/7. I mean, having your systems be able to monitor the markets 24/7 is pretty powerful. Can you see if there's bots that are trading against you? Like what can what can you tell because you have these algorithmic algorithms running? Can't really see. I mean, you can you can't really see who's trading against you. You could argue that you could. Uh, there's orders that are appearing and disappearing right before your eyes in a massive, uh, just a, a significant number of of orders. But uh, you don't know exactly who's making those trades. Are there any of the exchanges that seem to be? Um, I don't want to usually give away your secret sauce on which ones, but are any exchanges um, better hunting ground than others? I, I think they're all pretty good. They're they're all good here in the U.S. Yeah, I guess it depends on what your what assets you're looking to trade against. Um, depends on what you're looking to trade. Uh, really, um, if you're just if you're just trading Bitcoin, they're all probably the same. You know, if you're there are some assets that don't appear on some exchanges and do appear on others. Like right now, there's a accessibility discount for discount, you could say, or problem. You could view it from another lens on IOTA. You know, it's only changing on Bitfinex, uh, trading. Yeah, it's frustrating. Right. So you have you have uh, problems like this that you have to be aware of. Um, are there any uh, tokens that you don't trade because they're too cheap? You know, like the tokens that are, you know, five or ten Satoshis worth it. You know, is there any areas you stick to more than others or avoid? Yeah, we typically, we try to avoid any token that would fall under, that would not fall under the crypto commodity or cryptocurrency realm. So if you don't, so it doesn't have its own blockchain, we typically avoid trading those. Now, I'm not saying that we, we will avoid trading those for forever, but at this point in time, we've chosen not to trade those to put our investors through that kind of, uh, put their capital to risk and that, 
in that specific way, specifically with all the unregulated nature and the potential regulations that are coming down the line. Right. Or to be in, you know, in violation of, uh, or to have this, this token that exists one day and doesn't the next. So having that certainty there and being able to see these, these tokens build network effects is, is pretty powerful. You know, if you're looking at an ERC20 token, it will the the particular token build a network effect, yes, but it'll also build a network effect for Ethereum. So so you could price that into, you know, central Ethereum games. Well that brings up a good question. With all the ERC twenty tokens, is it as goes Ethereum, so goes the market? Or do the ERC-20s tend to move independently of Ethereum, for instance, or other ones? Uh, that's a good question. I actually don't know the exact answer to that. You would have to look up a lot of the correlation data on that, specifically for those ERC-20 tokens and how they're they're moving against the price of Ethereum. Uh, from from just kind of quick shot, I, I think that there's I think that there is uh, some positive correlation, but I wouldn't. Okay. Yeah, because for a long time, it seemed like Bitcoin would go up, the alts would go down. Bitcoin would now go down, the alts would come up. So I wonder if there's other relationships that you've seen. There's definite uh, correlations. And these cor- the correlations between crypto, major cryptos are changing uh, every day, so that data has to continue to be updated. There are definite correlations that do exist between crypto pairs. So that's always helpful to, to, to find uh, find correlations. It's very helpful for trading. All right, so I've beaten you up a lot on the uh, AI, the, you know, the algorithms. What what else does RDG Fund do? Let's, let's move it to the other area. Yeah, so uh, obviously there's, there's you know, some piece of our thought our fund that's the index, uh, the top 10 crypto index, which is a basic, just monthly rebalanced index. There's another, uh, you know, obviously you could say your fund also, our fund also has discretionary pieces to it as well. So, you know, if we do find an ICO that fits the criteria that we're looking to participate in, we want to participate uh, in that ICO or in that pre, pre-fund round. So, yeah, there, there are different facets uh, to what we do. We're also continually building systems that we think will be profitable for us So, and looking to organize data. You know, the better we can organize uh, organize data in a way that makes sense, that's actionable, and develop actionable insights, uh, I think the better that, that we will do over time. So we're really, the, the index, coming back to the index, the index is really important to me and for us. Right now, what you have is you have no good benchmark in this. So top 10 cryptocurrency index will show you, hey, these are the larger market cap cryptos and their performance over a period of time. Now, this, you know, you could debate this a thousand hours under the sun to whether or not it will just be Bitcoin or it will be, you know, multiple cryptos. I'm of the opinion that, that that there will be uh, several cryptocurrencies that remain winners and we think the index is a, a beautiful vehicle that captures growth effectively. And you've got yep. that are more for privacy, there's Bitcoin, there's Litecoin, it's a little bit faster, there's Dash, I mean there's a lot of different contenders but they all fit in different pieces of the ecosystem. You know? And the index is, uh, is also a good benchmark. So when you talk about, you know, your performance or say your your system's performance and we've even been guilty of this before is how do, how do our systems perform versus the price of bitcoin over a given period of time well you know in this particular space is that really the best benchmark is is the question that we set out to, to really ask and we, we're not actually dead certain that a, a top 10 cryptocurrency index is the best benchmark you know when in the public equity space when you want to benchmark against something you're benchmarking against the s&p typically so how do you so s&p is an index and and you know how is your particular fund performing against the S&P, not individual stock, the entirety of the S&P. And so we tend, at least in the top 10 cryptocurrencies, there is enough ability to where these things are going to be disappearing overnight. And there's enough stability as you look back over the past you know, year and a half of the top 10. Yes, there are new entrants into the top 10. And yes, there are coins that move out. There are a, a stable, a relatively stable six to eight that are consistently in, in the top 10. And that may look different a year from now.
but it's a relatively good benchmark. Uh, I got into that. I got into to the idea of I think indexing is powerful, passive investment vehicle. Now, if you're an active strategy trader, that's great. Now, why not combine the two approaches, which is what our fund decided to do. Um, take Jonathan and his experience as a trader, as a quant, the systems that he employs, and take the passive investment vehicle, which is a really strong it's a really strong approach. It, you've got a lot of sophisticated investors who, who are valid advocates for indexing. And, you know, Jack Bogle and uh, obviously with Van and you've got, uh, uh, you know, Warren Buffett, whenever he's quoted as saying 100 times, whenever he goes, he's going to put all of, his, you know, all of his money, his family's money, into into stock index or market index. Indexing is a very, very powerful vehicle that, you know, if done properly, can, can increase your exposure and reduce your risk. I've been in this space for two and a half years now and have seen personal gains in the space that would have been much better. Now, I've taken and chose cryptos of my own choosing, right, entry and exit point over, you know, medium, long-term horizons. But I would have done so much better if I would have indexed, uh, gone with an index similar to or, or just the NASDAQ composite index and how that's rebalanced and just done it, done the math on it once a month. Uh, my so, yeah. What about uh, your investors? What kind of people are you attracting? You know, age, sex, uh, what are they telling you as to why they want to invest with you? You know, what... What trends do you think? So it's all over the it's all over the spectrum. Targeting high net worth individuals as well as uh, family offices, other institutional investors. Uh, we never want someone to have too much exposure specifically to to us in crypto. So we we want them to have a relatively high uh, net worth to participate in the fund. The responses we're getting are all over the board. I mean, it depends on it depends on how much a person actually knows whether they've actually read the the resources that we send them up front about the space, trying to to just summarize as much as much information as possible in a, in a digestible format for them. So yeah, there's there are a ton of different factors into what what they know about the space already and what, where they are in that process. Typically, it is a process, and you know we've we've been turned down a fair number of times, but. We're, we're continuing to, to go and, uh, and continue to raise capital. And there are some people who say, wow, this is promising space. We think you guys have a good a good approach to it and a good strategy in place. Any surprises in the uh, interest from certain types of groups of people? Or is it just so all over the map that there's no correlation? It's all over the map in terms of age, in terms of uh, in terms of sex, in terms of you know location. It's it's really all over the map. And what are the um, what are the requirements for someone to invest in your fund? Is there a certain net worth? requirements or uh, other ones? Yeah, so obviously the accreditation status has to be an accredited investor um, is a huge one. I, our preference is, my preference is for them to have even a, a threshold higher than that accreditation status, so probably 2F of, of, of that accreditation status for, for them to be able to make our minimum investment. And what's the minimum investment amount right now? Right now it's 100000 yeah, I've seen twenty five thousand for a lot of places, but you're right, it is higher. Last question or two. So what um what are you guys' plans in the next six months to a year? Any big developments coming? And then I'll uh you know, ask you to tell people where they can, you know, listeners, how they can get involved and uh, apply and talk to you guys. Yeah. So uh, we're going to continue to build build systems, developments over the next year, continue to grow the fund. So we hope to, to hire a few more personnel, raise additional capital, and, uh, and yeah, really go from there. We'll, we'll kind of see. We'll evaluate each year. In terms of getting in touch with us, you can feel free to find me on LinkedIn. You can find me. You can email me, uh, david at rdg.fund. We've got a site that's coming. So we actually just got up and running a few weeks back. So we're brand and spanking new. So our, our site should be up and running. I'll be happy to send you, send you that information once it's uh, done.
But um, yeah, we're gonna. That's our our general strategy for now. Okay, well, very good. Yeah, yeah. organize the world's data. That's what Google's trying to do, and that's what you guys are trying to do over there too. Organize cryptocurrency data. Yeah, it's a it's a bit messy right now, but we'll see what we'll see what happens. Right on. All right, well, David, thank you for coming on the podcast, and I appreciate your time. The Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Blockchain Super Conference is coming to Dallas, Texas, February 16, 17, and 18 in 2018. If you know of a better way to get the latest insider knowledge about crypto, to hear directly from the top minds in this field, to interact personally with 800 fellow crypto lovers, hodlers, investors, miners, traders, developers, and founders, then I'd like to hear about it. If you don't, then you don't want to miss out. Register today for the Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Blockchain Super Conference. Go to BitcoinSuperConference.com and register today as a super early bird to get the lowest rates on tickets and hotel rooms. That's BitcoinSuperConference.com. You have been listening to Almost Here, Around the Corner Future Technology Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Subscribe to this podcast, post a review, to discover more future technologies that are poised to transform our lives for better or worse, such as Bitcoin, artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more. 